everybody has access to your back door. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, November 20th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's almost Thanksgiving. But really, what are we thankful for? And from America's left coast, where I know which end of the microphone to speak into, I'm Ryan Bemrose. But do you actually then speak into that end or you, do you just no. know? No, I just I know when I'm doing it wrong. Right. That is that's good which a lot of people are going to be doing because that was one of the big news stories is like zoom is lifting the amount of time people can use their calls. You know, they can make longer calls on Thanksgiving. And then Microsoft came out with like, Hey, you could go 24 hours in a row with ours. I'm just thinking how sad of a holiday is this going to be? So don't expect the internet to have any bandwidth at all that day. It's going to be interesting to see if everybody, you know, I'm actually, Normally, totally okay with that for the simple fact that I don't normally want to be online on a holiday. But you want to stream and play games, and then your latency sucks because grandma next door is on 14 Zoom calls with 14 different grandkids at the same time. Yeah, but you should know me better than that. Whenever I play online games, I usually try to set up my own server. Well, yeah, but locally. You, you still have to access the internet. I mean, if you're playing with somebody. Do I? Well, if it depends, are your, are your friends my, my mental, real I found, or imaginary? I found that, that shutting off the router once in a while really helps with my mental health. Well, it's great. And I need all the help I can get. I mean, it's great because our normal phone calls come in from the uh, the Internet as well. So if you turn the router off and I mean, the sad thing is I can't even watch anything on the NAS because the NAS requires the router for the, you know, for the television to get it. So, I mean, it really does take you into the uh, the no media vibe with no router yeah, no internet it's, it's it's weird it's almost like you know how how did humanity exist before there was an internet I, I bet you gen z will not be able to answer that question yeah oh we've lived through it and it's not bad i mean i have i could go hours just listening to vinyl records and i don't need the internet or access to anything on a network attached storage device for that yeah but could you go hours listening to vinyl records and not streaming them to everyone on in the troll room yeah and i do i mean but see today i was playing some good music and then harry hamster said something about tiffany and then i found this tiffany cd that was nothing but cover songs from like the 1980s and i was like you know she's doing like bon jovi better than bon jovi and then i just start playing little snips of all these songs and it was like going back in time, man. Back when I actually had to listen to the radio. Me. What's that? I'll, I'll excuse your blasphemy for now. <laughs> well, come on. Tiffany doing Bon Jovi. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> Tiffany and, and Kate Bush and Tony Basil and uh, Bonnie Tyler and Blondie. I mean, there was it's just all cover so, tunes and it was just it was kind of weird and it was kind of interesting, so, but it was kind of cool. What do you want to talk about today? Tech or politics? Probably tech. I mean, I'm tired of the politics thing, except for the fact that just pointing out that, yes, here we are now. uh, The election is what the third is still going on. Yes. I mean, that's 17 days now. And we still don't have a president. Did you watch that hour and a half long uh, announcement or or thing thing? Yes. I I didn't. I did. I mean, well, I was in it. And don't expect me to have comprehended a lot of it, because here is how my day 
went yesterday because the news conference with Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell and all of those came on right when the No Agenda podcast. Yeah, it was exactly. It was 24 hours ago. It was it was exactly when the No Agenda show started that they started their conference. So here's what I ended up doing. I had Rudy and the gang on my left monitor and I was listening to them through my the left cup of my headphone. I had no agenda going and playing through the speakers in the room. I had Photoshop up and I was doing no agenda art and I was trying to catch anything important from the Giuliani press conference and then put it into the back room for Adam Curry, just in case he wanted any of the information, because obviously, you know, they're a little busier than I am and couldn't. You, uh, you know, the people have lost their minds for less. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're, we were doing the ultimate multitasking and we did win the no agenda art. So maybe that's what I need to do. I need to free my mind and set it yeah. off in eight different directions at once. Yeah. You, you need to just whatever art you put out, you need to make sure you're not actually paying any attention to it. Just <laughs> right. I, in fact, maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe the art you win is by reflex. It could be. It's like the show. Just don't pay attention. Just just talk. Well, I mean, that's our thing, though. Yeah, let's let's not be wasting our 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 show formula on on things like art. Yeah, that's true. But there is a lot of tech going on, even though nobody's paying any attention to this stuff because of the fact that politics, politics, politics. Although there was an article on TechCrunch, and I didn't really get into it a whole lot, but it was tech in the Biden era. And it didn't seem like they were all that excited about it because they seemed to think that Biden was going to be continuing a lot of the Trump administration stuff when it comes to tech. But it's like, I thought Trump was bad. I thought everything he did was bad, but no, no. I I, I haven't heard this one. Um, My, my understanding was the biggest intersection between Trump and tech is that he keeps getting himself uh, censored on Twitter and is about to yank out section 230 is biden going to continue that yanking or maybe or what? i i don't know i mean nobody really okay. knows because i mean there's not even a president elect yet although every article you well, read he's acting like it yeah well, he has a big sign that says office of the president elect which is now what every podcaster that does video i'm sure is doing has a background behind them that's like office of the emperor of the universe because if joe biden can do it so can we yeah well I, the one of the things that uh that I pulled up, he he apparently has decided that uh, the in in 2018 the House passed uh, something called the Equality Act. Are you familiar with this one? I am not by that name anyway. What was it? Um, so the Equality Act. I'm sorry, 2019 the House passed it. It it died in the Senate. What a surprise! But it would do uh, roughly the following things: uh, eliminates the religious exemptions from the night from 1993. For uh, various, uh, it's all an amendment to the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Um, It eliminates religious exemptions, so you can no longer say, I don't want to, for example, bake a cake based on religion. Uh, It gives bathroom and locker room access to individuals based on their gender identity, not their birth sex. That's that's always fun. Yes. Uh, It adds sexual orientation and gender identity to become protected classes under the civil rights act. And it changes the definition of sex in the civil rights act to include pregnancy and childbirth, which means that by not funding an abortion, you are now violating the 1964 civil rights act because you are discriminating based on pregnancy. So it is basically the leftist pushing their utopia and dream of the government will tell you everything pretty much yeah well 
this is, uh, and, and I have this under the heading of the left tears itself apart. Um, there is a group uh, called the Women's Liberation Front, W-O-L-F. Uh, oh, by the way, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. On their website, it says female humans, the class of people called women are oppressed by men under a male supremacist system called patriarchy. So, you know, these people are, are real reasoned. Well, they hate the Equality Act. They hate that Biden is going to pass it. And they are shouting out about how horrible this is and they can't support it. Why? Because it gives bathroom and locker room access to individuals based on their gender identity, not their birth sex. And they say that it is going to be a wide open door for men to come into places that are normally female sanctuaries. Yes. Just by saying they're female. Exactly. That's exactly what it would do, because that's what anybody with a little bit of common sense and reason would know. I, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand both sides of this, and I think both sides are completely ridiculous. Uh, because you know, I, I, I fully understand that people, when, when they have decided to transition from one gender to the other, that, you know, to, to take somebody who has undergone surgery and grown boobs and say, you still need to use the men's locker room is a bit horrible, but at the same time, somebody who has done no physical changes whatsoever and still pops up owner when they see boobs, uh, (laughs) saying, well, I'm a woman. And going into the women's locker room, not so awesome either. So right. maybe, uh, maybe we need a new method of figuring of, of working. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's a lot of places that have gone to unisex bathrooms now. There's a lot of at least smaller businesses like the Starbucks around here. I noticed this last year when we went in. Uh, there were two bathrooms, but they were neither men or women, but they were single person bathrooms. So it wasn't yeah. like you walked in. And that makes sense because then. Everybody can get, uh, but, but then you, you're not categorizing people based on their identity. If you do that, no, you can't, well, there's two problems with individual bathrooms. One is that you're not, you're not categorizing people based on their identity and it's, it's highlighting the individual and, uh, leftists cannot handle that. (laughs) Uh, but the other much more practical and less tongue in cheek problem is that it doesn't scale at all (laughs) well yeah it is harder i mean it's like if you're going to a ball game where there's going to be seventy thousand people yeah having that many bathrooms as opposed to how many you can throw in i mean i remember back in the day when comiskey park the old comiskey park had the troughs you know when the guys would go in and it was like yeah i mean there weren't even individual urinals just a big trough Try to get try to get close, try to get in our, and aim. Our local single A stadium has that. Yeah. And even with the troughs, when when you go in and, you know, this one only holds uh, you know, uh, 1500 people, it's not a big stadium. But in between innings, like seventh inning stretch or something, you want to go to the bathroom. There is still a line and there the people are shoulder to shoulder in at, at a trough. You try to give everybody individual stalls and people are going to be wetting themselves. Yeah, get to know your neighbor when you're at them troughs, man. Make sure you say uh, hi. Anyway. <laughs> don't don't look down. Yeah, so um, it, it apparently the moment that people have have come to the conclusion that Biden is going to win, uh, can can they sit back and just be happy for a moment? No, different groups amongst the Biden supporters have to start arguing with each other, and I am highly entertained by this. Well, it is I, I don't have. I don't have the solution to how do you handle the bathrooms situation because I, I fully understand that you don't want 
if you're in your sanctuary, you know, doing your thing, you don't want somebody else coming in that that just says, oh, yeah, I'm a woman and then ogles you that that's creepy. And at the same time, if you've decided to make your if if you're going all the way and somebody says, I'm sorry, but you were born a man and therefore you can't use the it. OK, well, what do you do? You know, I agree. And that's but the, the issue then really is for there to have enough choices and in places again, like stadiums and that it wouldn't be that hard to add certain places, certain uh, restrooms that were either unisex or, you know, take, take that stigma off. But then you still have a men's room and a women's room because I, you know, again, if I had a daughter, you know, 10 years old, I wouldn't want her going into a bathroom and then some guy following her in. That's just not well if if some guy could follow her in then you could follow her in stand out there and if the dude starts getting creeping on your daughter then you punch him and, <laughs> and that does seem salt you once told me there is no problem that violence can't solve indeed and if if you're if if you have a problem that violence doesn't solve you just didn't use enough <laughs> this is not now this does medical this advice doesn't acknowledge well no it, it, it is actually true i i stand by that statement uh the unstated part of that statement is that usually when you apply violence in such a manner you create new problems but the original problem can be solved it's an interesting anyway uh, yeah the other <laughs> thing i thought was interesting with the article was that they were putting trump in the camp uh of being Friendly to Facebook and Zuckerberg being friendly with Trump in the White House, which what? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I never really picked up on this. You know, we know that Trump and Twitter have been warring forever. Do you think that Zuckerberg's firmware is having a glitch or something? What? I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. Well, I think it may be because Facebook hasn't labeled every last post that the president or anybody that works for him as misleading misinformation oh, oh so zuckerberg's a friend because he's not quite as horrible to yes. trump as as dorsey is is that i think when you're a tech crunch writer that might be the way you would interpret it that allowing somebody to actually say something without posting that they're total lying scumbags right on yes. top of the post that's then yeah that's being friendly to uh well i i think i think that's that's an um, important tenet of the new woke journalism is if if every other sentence that you say is not orange man bad then you're a trump supporter and you're a horrible person and you need to step up the anti-trump rhetoric or or you're terrible and and i know uh, you don't use a lot of the social media and you're better off don't don't get me wrong but i'm noticing a shift that almost anything you sign up for online especially anything where you can post stuff is more and more requiring a phone number and this used to not be a big deal because we have things like google voice and there's a plethora of other services out there that will allow you to get a phone number that's not necessarily attached to you but of course they're going to start filtering those out they are and that's exactly the problem i was running into the other day when it was like oh okay i'll just give them a number from you know i've used google voice well that doesn't work i've used a service called text free that didn't work uh, i finally found an app on the uh, the ipad that worked but yes they're blocking the numbers now so when you sign up for whatever and they're like well we'll send you a code to verify that's you 
Well, it ne- either never goes to that number or they straight out tell you you can't use that phone number. And the concept of a free and anonymous Internet, when you have to tie a phone number to everything you do, is really no longer a free and open Internet, is it? No. But at the same time, uh, right, right now, we still have the simple choice of this service requires you to have a phone number. Therefore, I won't use that service. So Internet's still free and open. Achievement unlocked. Yes, which is why things uh, like, like No Agenda Social and all the Mastodon instances, as far as I know, none of them have added a phone yeah. number. The, the the troll room expects you to sign up with an email address, but they don't want a phone number. And if you really, really, really hate the idea of giving the the, the you know those horrible people who run the troll room, which is Void Zero and and me and uh, you to an extent, um, and Adam, if you don't want to give those people your email address, there's always services like Mailinator. Uh, you're familiar with that one? Not that exact one, but I know there's plenty of anonymous well, yeah. email forwarding and that kind of. Well, it's it's you know you you click a button and it says here here's an email address yeah, and that's you good paste like that into a form an hour or less. Or, or, well, I I mean with the one I use, it's usually uh, it, it's good for a month. But what you do is you you say okay, did any mails come into this address? And they'll put it on a web form. Yeah, makes sense. It's nice and easy. I, in fact, I, I feel like that service is, is going to pop up if it hasn't already for SMS messages because of the phone number confirmations. Yeah, there are a bunch. And most of those, because of the fact that once they become public, the first person that uses it on you know Instagram or whatever, you know, OK. But then when it gets down to like the thousandth person trying to use it on the same service, that's where it gets to be a little different. And it, it becomes you know questionable. Again, I'm. All four, as we've talked about a bunch, don't let your kids be on the Internet doing all these things. But a lot of kids, if you don't have a phone number, then how do you sign up for these services? Well, you know, which is probably good in one way. Yeah, I was going to say problem, problem and solution. Yeah, it's like, why? That's why the kids are all like, oh, I need an iPhone. And then that's when the parents are like, well, why? You don't. Yeah, but I can't get on TikTok otherwise. Yeah, like, okay, well, I didn't have an iPhone when I was your age. In fact, you know what? You can, I will buy you an iPhone when you reach the age when I got my first iPhone. (laughs) That is so mean. I like it. Of course. I love it. (laughs) It works. It's like, yeah, we survived without the technology. We've talked about that before. I mean, I love the concept now that all the music in the world, more or less, is at my fingertips and I can download it. All of the bootlegs of all the artists that I like, you can find them online. I mean, some more than others. But back in the day, there were fanzines. I remember subscribing to a Bruce Springsteen fanzine. And then there were like classifieds in the back. And then you would have to like send people regular mail like, hey, uh, here's my trading list. What do you have? Do you want to trade? I'll send you blank tapes. And this all went through the normal mail. And it took forever to get stuff back. And sometimes people stole your shit. And that was just the way it was. So, uh, you know, I, I understand that the Internet has made some things really good. They've made other things really shitty. And I have to say, never buy anything from the Amazon UK. Well, if you're in the UK, it's fine. But if you're in the United States, never buy anything from the Amazon UK. I thought it would be fine because, you know, it's Amazon. And I bought a bunch of stuff from Amazon. And there's reasons to hate Amazon. There's reason to hate Jeff Bezos. Don't get me wrong. But anytime I've bought from the Amazon US and there was a problem with something, they immediately took care of it. 
They paid for shipping back. Everything was cool. So I didn't think anything of it. And because this was on the regular Amazon page, too, don't get me wrong. I was on the Amazon United States website. I ordered a box set of Dire Straits albums, and some people have already told me that was my first problem. But beyond that, they arrived like after two or two and a half weeks, which I get it was coming from the UK. And they put the box set in plastic and sent it. No box, no, no packing material, nothing. And of course, at some point, this had obviously been dropped because uh, the the whole thing was kind of squished on one corner. So every album was the the LP gatefold, you know, was all damaged. The well, the weirdest thing was the outer wrap, you know, the uh, the nice uh, shrink wrap on the outside wasn't even existing. So I don't know. It seems like they sent me a used thing to begin with. So I decided to return it. Right. Good. Now, every other time, Amazon will just send you a label to return something. No, not in this case, because it was going back to the UK. Well, you know, here, we'll send you the paperwork, but you have to pay the return shipping. <laughs> and, you know, here's the custom forms and we'll refund you the shipping up uh, to, they said it was either like 15 or 20 bucks. It might've been 20 bucks. We'll refund your shipping up to $20. So I'm like, okay, let me see what this is going to cost to uh, ship it back. $78 was the cost to to ship this thing back to it was in Scotland, actually. So I emailed uh, Amazon because their website is totally useless when it comes to this. And they did agree. Oh, I would talk to a lady on the phone who did agree they would pay the full amount of the shipping back to them, which at this point, if I were Amazon and I knew it was going to cost $80 to ship back a product that was, I think, $110, I would have just been like, just burn the product because it's not really worth the, well, that's usually what they do, which is not. So I did ship it well, back. I'm like, well, can you can you send this to me in writing that you're actually going to pay for the return shipping? Because otherwise, you know, I'm not because it's not I'm going to get 30 bucks back and then I'm going to have to pay, you know, 80 bucks for shipping. And it's just not going to work out. So they did put it in writing. I'll give them that. It took three weeks for the thing to get back to them. And they finally refunded the whole thing. But it was just. It was a mess because the first person came back with, oh, well, yeah, send me your shipping thing and then we'll refund that right away. And then they're like, well, no, we can't. And then I kept going back and forth. I'm like, well, your guy said they would. Well, no, we can't do that. I'm like, and they, they came, at one point they came back with, well, can you just call us? And I'm like, why? So you can give me the same answer. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> call it. You're like, call international. I mean, it's well, it's their, uh, you know, toll free number because they're really who pays for phone calls now? This is the. The beauty of the internet, too. Like we just talked to Void Zero for three hours the other day for free because, you know, the internet and that's how it works. You don't have to pay for oh, phone calls. I don't calls. know if it was that free. <laughs> Why? Do you not feel free? Well, I, I, I didn't feel like I, I got to say much. <laughs> well, see, that's what everybody like. I mean, I know there maybe, are some different topics. Maybe that's, I, I don't get me wrong. Void Zero is great and it's really nice to hear his voice, but. Uh, the dude has a wonderful tendency to bounce from topic to topic to topic without leaving a single pause in and no place for anyone else to to step in at and the, the couple times when I tried to do what I do with you, which would be interrupt so that I can actually get a word in and it completely threw him off so badly that <laughs> I was like, I felt bad and, and I never feel bad about interrupting people. So. Yeah, well, I think not sure what to do. And you're right. When, and when you're going, I, I didn't really pay that close of attention because it didn't seem like there was that much of a lag when talking to him and him responding. But there, even if there's a short 
lag. You figure your first your your audio was coming to me and then to him. So it wasn't like we were all connected to the same thing. You were connected to me. He was connected to me. So there is a bounce factor as well. So the timing could have been a little bit off. But Mark's also I'm sure there was lag. Yeah. Yeah. He's also a professional podcaster. The guy can talk with the best of us, which is why we love hearing Mark. And when he gets on a roll, there is oh, I love talking with them. I'm, I'm just not sure. I, I'm not convinced that a three person show is is right for. Well, when, when it's the three of us and every one of us loves doing the, the 15 minute monologue and on a three three person show, it, it takes a while. Yeah, well, the three. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that when you get more than two people, it has to go more into like a morning zoo concept, which is you have a third person that like chimes in once every 15 yeah. minutes. You know, it's kind of like there's where everybody talks over everyone else. Right. And there's like a roundabout bathroom break. So that way, if somebody has to get up and run for two minutes. There's always somebody to keep the conversation going. But I've I mean, I agree with you 100 percent. We've talked about that before. A two person show is still the way to go. It's a better conversation. Will, there's no question. And I will. I'll also point out after your your long uh, Amazon UK rant that uh, I clearly need to get some some new material. If you're going out and heading off my jokes before I can even say them, which which, which joke was it? When 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 you said that you bought a Dire Straits album and then before I could even <laughs> cut in, you were like, and some people say that might be my first mistake. I'm like, fuck, he stole my line. <laughs> you're like, that's my stick. Damn it. That's yeah. I mean, come on. I'm known for it. <laughs> now what do might I be say? The problem. Um, see, I yeah. didn't. Okay. See, this is an interesting concept. I need to practice on pre Bemrosing Bemrose. I, it threw me off. I, 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 <laughs> well, I let you rant for another three minutes after that. Because I was wondering I do, why. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, it, you messed up my mojo. What the hell? Short circuited. It's like, now what do I say? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So uh, as, as an American, uh, you, I assume you probably have a car. Yes. Yeah. I mean, would, I don't you drive ever much. Put, would you ever put a digital license plate on it? What does the digital license plate do? Uh, well, the first thing it does is cost you $600 plus 75 a year. <laughs> Why? What, what does it do? What's it good? Why is it, it worth it? It displays your license plate to the world. Uh, and more importantly, and, and here is, uh, uh, Neville Boston, who is the guy who is selling these, uh, in, at least from the particular article that I read. Um, and, and I probably should have written down what company he works for but since i'm never going to buy it I, I i don't care go to the show notes there's an article um but he says that uh um i can put my favorite sports team on next to the license and i can even change the background color now if that's not worth 75 dollars a year i don't know what is uh but wait there's more um he says uh you know oh, oh Upcoming, they're working on a virtual wallet for your car, so you can use this to pay at Starbucks instead of having to tap your phone. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> can go wrong with this. Such a pain in the ass. Uh -huh. um, he he says, uh, oh, and and you know, he says everything is encrypted end to end. Think about our platform as being like online banking. Oh my god! Uh, sorry, I I I've had bad experiences with online banking. I even I'm one of those weird people who likes to walk into the bank for that reason, but uh, it's absolute safe and protecting everyone's data. So um, let's see other features. Uh, you it, it has an app. Of course, it does. You need that. You need that app so that you can change the color of background color of your license plate. Um, 
it uh the app allows you to renew your registration and uh here's here's a great feature you're gonna love this one it tracks where your car is at all times just in case if your car goes outside of a pre-programmed radius it can automatically notify you on your app that your car has been stolen and it can automatically switch the plates from a plate number to the word stolen (laughs) see now that might be the one cool aspect of the uh of the thing yes and all you have to do is give this silicon valley company all of your gps data from everywhere you've ever been now here's what i don't get because here in illinois they've recently cut down they used to have like you know obviously exaggerating but like a thousand different license plates you could choose from because you could choose a white Sox one you could choose a cubs you could choose a bulls you could choose a bears you could choose different colleges there was all these different plates are, are big everywhere well, with the not just the, not for the number itself, but yes, the plate itself and what they well, yeah. what they realized was all of these different plates were making it much harder for people to recognize where the plates were from. So if there was a crime, somebody was hit, you know, hit and run, trying to identify the plate was starting to become a problem because it's instead of 50 yeah. different states having 50 different designs. Now, every state has 100 designs and it's like, well, nobody's going to know. Yeah, I was going to say 50 designs is not a huge problem. If every plate in the state looks the same, you can make it out. But as soon as you have 50,000 designs, yes, it becomes it becomes a little bit rougher to figure out. So I'm kind of surprised that this would even be legal that this I'm guessing it's not legal in every state. Some, I guess I can understand, maybe still don't really care, but uh the yeah the the concept doesn't make sense and i don't i don't know if this would be legal in in washington uh but i will tell you that the state is probably not going to bend over backward trying to make it look legal because the state charges extra money per year for one of those customized plates like if if you want a plate that says seahawks on it then you you can get it from the state department of transportation for an extra five dollars a year and hey revenue stream yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this you know, government hates competition. Well, either that or they charge you double to have for it to for your license plate to be ported over, because that's the other question. You if you have the ability to change what the number showing on the plate is um, and it's not set yeah. by the DMV, then, yeah, there's a whole lot of fraud coming on because I'm putting but, but No, the Silicon Valley CEO assured you that they use end to end encryption. That means it can't be hacked. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't seen any stories about anything being hacked, voting machines. Um, no, nothing at all. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> I mean, you know, whenever somebody says, oh, we use end to end encryption, I'm like, OK, then even if that encryption is unbreakable, that's still two places where my data can be messed with. And that's at least one place more than I want it to be messed with. Um, if, if, if their encryption really is completely solid and I'm say the FBI and I want to, or, or, or just, you know, a, a really good hacker with a, a great line of bullshit, you go to the company themselves and be like, Hey, uh, we're, we're going to need you to go and mess with this person's license plate for reasons. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's definitely it's, another place. Things can go wrong. It's, it's something that, that Silicon Valley CEOs don't, seem to quite get yet as is that when when you say this is really secure they're they're trying to protect against the anonymous hacker out on the web and 
I am certainly concerned about the anonymous hacker out on the web trying to mess with my data. But you know who else I don't trust? You. (laughs) The government in general. Well, or Silicon Valley companies in general, or you, Darren O'Neill. But, you know, we know that. Well, yeah, there's good reason for that. (laughs) So anyways, um, yeah, this this particular one, um, it is yet another device that is permanently connected via the cell network. You can choose Verizon or (laughs) AT&T. No explanation as to what that costs, but I imagine it might be included in the 75 a year. Um, And uh, so you can get this customized license plate. And for the low, low cost of 75 a year. Plus sending all of your location data everywhere you've ever driven your car to Silicon Valley to be stored in a database forever and to be online all the time and to, you know, to give potential hackers or Silicon Valley the ability to randomly change your plate without even knowing because who looks at their license plate most of the time for only that low cost. You can change the background color on your license plate whenever you want from an app. Yeah, worth it. Yeah, yeah, I can see where uh, this wouldn't be a uh, a data mining thing where you are again the product, but you're going to pay to be the product. Congratulations, consumer. Or I, not? I, I don't know. You know, all I know, all I can see is there are going to be people who jump on this, and uh, I, 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 you know what? God bless early adopters of these technologies because they're the ones who always find all of the horrible, horrible implementations and bugs, so that. You know, later, if if the technology really is useful, the the early adopters have already hit all of the, the uh, all of the snags that, well, at least the unintentional bugs. Right. Like when somebody hacks the system that this company is using and changes all the vehicles using their license plates, license plates to, you know, like PETA one or something. I will tell you one thing that I liked about this story is that my next uh, my next uh, story that I write, uh, you know, fiction or whatever. It totally plot point is going to be, you know, if I have to have a heist, then the getaway car is going to have one of these plates. And every single time it turns a corner, it'll just flip its license plate number. It's so easy. Yeah. I mean, that that is where the interesting stuff is going to come from, because one, when you look at the technology, oh, yeah. okay, so you got to have it on the cell network. Yeah. okay, like a, a hacker that knows what they're doing won't be able to disconnect the cell network and make it work locally. That's uh, that's the genius. You're right. Where you can just press a button and choose a random license number to show up like that's uh, that's genius. Oh, we're looking for the car with Bemrose one. Well, we don't see that. There's a car yeah. that matches this. But no, they have a digital license plate that nobody could hack. Don't pay and, any yeah. attention. And of course, it's an app. You know what? Actually, if I did get one of these, uh, the first thing that I think I would end up doing is I would go into the app. And and of course, you know, there there's always. You just re- reverse engineer the app, figure out how to do it. I'm changing my plate to Ecto one. <laughs> See, now you're seeing a reason for this device. And you know what? I might as well change everybody's plate to Ecto one. <laughs> well, that's it. Now, if you could do that, that that becomes a, a confusing thing for the government around you, because now they can't figure out how to identify people when they're going through things like the toll booths where they're like, well, if you don't have your iPass device on, well, then we'll send you a bill in the mail if you don't pay it or a ticket because we could read your license plate. You know, this is this is adding some really interesting concepts because of the fact that, you know, hackers will be able to do this as well, which is, oh, only when I'm going through the toll booth for that brief, you know, 10 seconds that you're at that point on the road, 
change that to something else or just glitch so the machines can't read it. So anyways, in conclusion, oh, and, and by the way, I, I went ahead and looked up. The company is called Reviver, uh, which is OK. You know, were they vibed before? I mean, when, I, I don't know. Apparently they vibed once before and then and then their product failed. I'm not sure. Um, but in conclusion, I actually want to come out in favor of everybody in the country needs to get one of these plates for the simple fact that it would reduce the amount of trust that we have in the license plate system. And that means that um, government surveillance would become weaker when people are using cameras to scan license plates. It it becomes a lot harder to try it. And you at some point, you know, you, you'll see somebody making a case in court is like, uh, no, actually. Um, I definitely wasn't outside of, of my government mandated area because that's not my car. And here's a bunch of evidence that license plates are no longer reliable. I, I'm in favor of this. Well, you are an anarchist. That might be. <laughs> the uh, This is a story I should have actually brought up when I said everybody needs a phone number. Did you see the story about this is one of these companies, one of these apps that provided people an app i love it already yeah provided people with an sms message because again everybody wants you know these private sms numbers so you can give it to people but then it's not your real number or you want to try to you know sign up for something if it's not blocked you can actually use it but there is a company called go sms pro did you see what happened to this company now it's not exactly small uh over a hundred thousand installs on android uh well i mean is that i thought that was small well i mean it's it's there's that's a decent amount of people 100 million i'm not sure what this company does why don't you enlighten me well they do this again it gives you the ability to send ms sms messages through their app okay but you know here's here's the problem they don't come with that ability already yeah but see dumb people you know, if you're out in the dating market or something like that, you don't want somebody to have your real phone number. You want something you could just, you know, get rid of at some point and you don't have to get rid of your phone. Oh, I see. OK, so it's Oops. one of those kind of things. Yeah. One but of those. Now, we also know when people send texts, they have the ability to add things, you know, like little photos and videos and other content like that. Emoji. Yes. To the media, you know, they can send media along with the text messages. Well. Yeah. MMS. There's a problem with that. And they realized that what this company was doing is every time a new bit came in, photo, video, even voicemail messages, the way they were naming these things was just to use hexadecimal and add one, which means Uh, everything sent through their system was able to be accessed by anybody. Well, they have to use it, it. It's still pretty secure because in order to get it, you need an inva- advanced anti-encryption technology called a for loop. <laughs> if the, right, just for just keep repeating and adding one. You know that's uh, that's basically what they're doing. So if you went to the uh, and it was all on the looks like their website. So you just had a website and then the uh, wait. It, it it doesn't sound like the problem is that the IDs were increasing. It sounds like the problem is that there was no authentication. Yes. And it was all it, left out in the open. And once this was realized, I, you're probably not going to be surprised about this. The company disappeared. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The, they just, and, and, and what was this company called? I've been looking for a good company name to take go SMS pro. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, 
Okay. I mean, as long as we're on SMS, um, I, I did some reading. I looked up, uh, uh, a, a company called easy texting, um, which, uh, this by the way, and we're going to have to go to the way back. Um, it came up because they sued T-Mobile, um, in 2010, um, T-Mobile had easy texting was one of those systems that lets you, you know, text something like, you know, text penis to three Oh three, three Oh, or something like that. And and it it triggers some function, um, might trigger Joe Biden. I'm not sure, but, um, they had signed up a medical marijuana dispensary as one of their clients and T-Mobile blocked everything from easy texting as a result. And, uh, they it went to court easy texting sued t-mobile um did not succeed t-mobile's argument was uh that under section 230 we have the right to uh to filter and censor any sms message that comes across our service wow um and and they won that um i i only mentioned that that happened because now there's a lot of talk about t-mobile censoring sms messages again um this popped up on my radar when uh somebody was trying to send a text message uh about COVID that had the word covid and mask in it and it did not go through and then they tried sending something else and that went through but then they sent something saying, you know, like debunked or something, and it didn't. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I went and I, I went down the rabbit hole and I discovered that, uh, you know, T-Mobile is, th- there was a Reddit thread where T- just recently where Reddit, uh, it, they, they determined that if you text the word belly to anybody belly, uh, on T-Mobile, then you get an, a 10 day shadow ban. Yeah. Belly. Why you get a 10 day shadow ban uh, where none of your text messages go through for 10 days. You can't send them. Although it, it's shadow. It, you know, it doesn't tell you you're banned or anything. Um, there's no remediation procedure. You just get a 10 day ban. Uh, the speculation, because of course there's no official word from T-Mobile on this one. The speculation is that this is to a misconfigured spam filter because of people sending spams, like get rid of that extra belly fat or something like that. Um. um Wow. But I, this is the creepiest thing that I read all morning. Well, there's this yeah, is, there's a lot to unpack there. I, so, um, yeah, I, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, of things to, to think about. Like, uh, are, are there legal issues with have being shadow banned from sending SMS messages? What, what if, you know, now, nowadays there's a lot of nine one one services that, that accept reports over SMS. Um, I, I've got another story. In fact, that, the you know, SMS is old, uh, old school. Now, apparently people in the UK can use Alexa to report crimes, but well, of course, um, but you know what the way here, the thing with this is one, you could be causing somebody irreparable harm because so many people use text messages to uh, converse back and forth. You know, this could cause problems in a marriage or just, you know, any relationship whatsoever that, well, I've been texting you, honey, all week. Where, you know, where have you been? You know, uh, because nobody actually picks up the phone and calls anymore, and people will think they're getting ghosted. And then, I mean, this can have some serious repercussions that I don't know. Uh, we live in a litigious society. I would think they might be responsible for some of that. But this, more than anything, cements to everybody listening 
that all of these things that we use to communicate, people look at Twitter and they go, well, we understand Twitter is a company in between this and they can censor me Facebook the same way. I don't think 99.9% of the people look at SMS the same way they no. believe it's a direct message to the other person. It's yeah, not. Most, most, yeah. Most people are not. They, they don't, you know, even the people who are starting to realize, you know, Twitter might not have my best interest in mind or Facebook might be trying to manipulate me or, you know, Google keeps sending me to Hillary for president. I, I those even those people are not going to be suspecting their mobile operator of filtering and their text messages and, you know, randomly shadow banning you for. And like I said, this this very much this particular thing looks like a misconfigured spam filter. Like they they put something in place that when somebody tries to spam you with about belly fat, they have decided that they're just, you know, they're just going to drop it silently for 10 days and not tell people. But man, the possibility for abuse and misuse is is very high. I, I did search. I could not actually find a, a single article or anything where people were talking about or, or a forum where people were talking about T-Mobile actually censoring. That doesn't mean it's not happening. I just couldn't find it. So take that with a keg of salt. Well, and it doesn't mean that it's not on deck. And we've talked about this before, too, as far as alternate ways to communicate. And I don't think there's anything necessarily that is perfect when it comes to the uh you know the bigger broader bases like uh you know telegram and uh, you know whatsapp and there's these other ones even though they're run by these conglomerates and allegedly you know it's all encrypted from one end to the other i still have to go and i know it's still in its infancy but something like tox which is tox which is all open source maybe something even though it may be a pain in the ass to use and i know progo always brings up it's not easy to jump between different devices because every device has an id but at least you know the messages you're sending are not going to be intercepted when we started this and you started talking about talks my my first thought was oh yeah you're that's just too paranoid yeah and you know when i say something's too paranoid that that (laughs) I, i guess it's saying so but every single time one of these you know we we have over the last 25 years via the internet the the wonderful chaotic thing that is the internet we have come up with so many ways to communicate with each other but as as they fall to censorship and technocratic control one by one the the necessity you know i i i'm not a terrorist at least that you know of I I don't normally care too much that when I text my wife, I love you, that it it's in clear text. But wait, that that text was for her. I thought it was for me, man. Actually, it was meant for the cat, but she (laughs) seems to have swapped the SIM cards or something. But uh, I, I don't feel still today that my individual communications are so important that they can't be. That that I need to encrypt everything I say, but we are getting there. We're getting to the point where innocuous conversation, like mentioning the word belly, is going to be filtered and cut off. And yeah, maybe this was a glitch. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe somebody just screwed up the spam filter. And I have no doubt because this story popped out on the 15th. Um, in the last five days, I, I would not be surprised in the least that if T-Mobile had already 
fix their filter, but it's just chilling to know that they're filtering everything you send and that if they do decide to go all sensory, which frankly, I don't trust any corporation ever again, not after 2020 um, well, or before at some point you're like, okay, if I just want to send a grocery list to my wife, is that going to be censored? And do I need to go get talks or some other end to end encryption scheme in order to know that my normal everyday communication is going through? Maybe. I, I mean, mean, that's, that's the nefariousness here because they know it's coming from, I mean, at least they should, that it's coming from an individual phone. When it comes to the text messages, you would think they'd have your IMEI number, you know, the number that is only on your phone that they can see how many messages are sent out. I understand if you would start uh, having a device that sends out a thousand messages, you know, in an hour. Sure. But going just based upon content without then bouncing something back, you know, an error message to the user saying, Hey, this message appears to maybe be, you know, this is where all the stupid captures come in. You know, this message appears like it might be spam. Can you confirm you're a real human being? You know, this kind of stuff, but doing this in the shadows and just not sending it and then not sending any message from that account for days. Oh, wow. That is not good. Yeah. It seems sketchy. Yeah. The whole, so the whole anyways, system does. Uh, and this has been your, your daily grumpy old Ben's moment of, of look how awesome all this technology is. Now here's all the ways that it could fuck you. If you're paranoid like me. Yeah, well, Facebook Messenger was also in the news for all the wrong reasons, which there was. A- <laughs> Have there ever, ever been any right reasons? No, this is, again, people using, you know, Facebook Messenger on Android. So, again, they're like, hey, you know what? I won't use the SMS because those bad phone companies might intercept. So let's use uh, Facebook Messenger way safer, right? No, but the Android app and I don't even didn't even go fully into how this was done, but with a properly crafted you you, you had me at android app yeah with a properly crafted message with the other person if they were on your contact list so if you had facebook messenger on your phone which i know you do i'm sure and i had it on my phone and i'm sure i do and uh and i went and installed that shit a a properly crafted message to you rather than uh ringing it it seems like it just started taking the audio from your side without you knowing it it just opened up the channel, which could be pretty damn uh, dangerous for uh, yeah. anybody to be able to start listening to your phone. As we've talked about the microphones and these things, that's creepy. I don't want anybody listening to me, bitch out my cats. Right. That's you only do that when you're on the show. I, well, you know, I, I have conversations with you every every Friday and, and Monday, and I, I don't want to alarm you, but I think some people might be listening in. I don't know. I doubt it. Why would anybody listen to this? I mean, it's good. It's good information, but who wants good information? They would have to be experts and intelligent people. And no, uh, if there's if there's one thing I've learned about 2020, it's that good information is more unpopular than ever. It may be. It may be. So, so there was that when it came to, again, Android app, Facebook, those two as a combination. Uh, bad. Yeah. They let people listen to what's going on on your side before you actually even know a call is coming in. And Apple was in the news and this is this was interesting to me because apple overall is kind of known in the industry as you know a bunch of dicks a lot of times but they're usually in the interest of privacy do more for their users 
at least this is the overall conception than the people that use, you know, Android or Windows devices. So that, that is the rumor. Yes, I was surprised to see this. And this was off the uh, Hacker News that the new Apple operating system is allowing some of their apps to bypass the firewall and VPNs, which to me is the scary thing here. Because if Apple's going to start deciding that, oh, look, you're you're connected to Sir Bemero's VPN, but, you know, our program, you know, we need to update our operating system and we don't like VPN. So we're just going to ignore that setting and bypass your VPN. You know, other programs are going to be able to do that. People are going to be able to hack things and do that, which is a huge privacy concern. And it seems that Apple did do updates after this was alerted to them and this functionality still exists so it seems like maybe apple wants this functionality for their programs but to me it's very much like we talked about with backdoors and any encryption if apple's going to give their machines the ability with their apps to bypass your vpn you don't think the malware people are going to be able to do the same yeah. thing or or who else you know every single time that, that you look at Every time that you look at some Silicon Valley company saying we protect you from all third parties, but you can trust us. Right. Uh, the the one thing that needs to pop into your mind is uh, what happens when the NSA sends the company a national security letter or FBI or whoever sends those out or or, or you know Biden who texts penis to your company. I, I don't know uh, when they send one of those letters in. The company is required by law or they will the, their whole company will be shut down if they don't do this to compromise your security and not tell you about it. And you will never know that this happened. And if you well, first of all, if you think, oh, it's the government, I trust them, then you're retarded. Uh, but more importantly, um, if they have the mechanism to do this. Uh, then that means that uh, any government agency with the force of law also has the mechanism to do it. And any hacker who can get in either via stolen password or social engineering or uh, open database backdoor also has the ability to compromise your security. It's one of those reasons why the you know the the perennial argument about uh, oh well we need backdoors and encryption is is so inane because it doesn't work the moment that a backdoor exists everybody has access to your backdoor and that is exactly as comfortable as i just made it sound everybody has access to your backdoor that's uh, that sounded dirtier than you meant it or didn't it or was that exactly no how it you sounded meant it? exactly as dirty and uncomfortable as i meant it <laughs> Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that. And this kind of uh, starts making more sense if this is intentional. And uh, we don't know if it is as of yet, but we've talked about stories over the last few weeks about these hacking groups using different VPNs, including some of the big ones like NordVPN to uh, attack different sites and to hack different installations. And I'm sure this is troublesome for people like governments around the world. But Apple, I'm very disappointed that you're putting the ability into your machines to to bypass that, because then you start going, well, it's going to be the same thing on the Windows machines as well. And uh, 
you know, Linux too. I mean, you don't know. This is a skull goes straight down the line. Linux. I mean, people would probably figure it out because it's open source and they can look at it and, and see if it's there. But this is actually very, very worrisome stuff for people yeah, that use VPNs. And seriously, uh, 15 years after the first iPhone and, and 2025, whatever, after the iPod, it, you, there, there should be absolutely no look of surprise whatsoever that Apple is taking a, a paternal we know best attitude and and saying, yeah, you know, our system is not as effective as we want it to be when your VPN is running. So we'll just go around that. Yeah, that's a very Apple thing to do there. They're, you're right. It's disappointing. If everybody has no privacy, should be surprised. We all have better privacy from apple i mean that's kind of i i i don't actually is citation needed (laughs) that may be their i'm skeptical yeah (laughs) yeah i mean and you know vpn's one thing firewalls are another thing too because there's you know people that run stuff on their computer i mean i know most people never we know there's a windows firewall people have seen that pop up most people pay no attention and the windows firewall is like so easy to get around yeah but, but is there a firewall right that's kind of the question you know is there really a firewall i don't know you know, they call it a firewall. What it really is, is, is if you set the quote firewall, all that determines is does windows answer on these ports? Yes. Th- that's, that's a firewall, I guess. Yeah. That, uh, and you know, but there's usually, I mean, I, I remember going way back. Um, I think zone alarm was one of the first ones that had a program that oh, did used this. that one. Yeah. And it was good. I mean, this was back in the early days when people were actually taking this stuff seriously. And You know, it was you had to go through and it was a pain in the ass, as all good security programs are, because you had to individually let it know what could be accepted, what wouldn't be accepted. It would always tell you when something was trying to use your Internet connection. And to me, that was a good thing. Yeah. And do do you remember like early, early on when it would default to to popping up the little notification bubble on your taskbar every single time an app tried to phone home? Uh huh. And you're like, oh, my (laughs) God, these things are doing this a lot. It was. It was yeah. It was truly enlightening. You're like, holy shit! The number of things that phone on, and and of course, you know, nowadays because that's scary, we're just not told what's phoning home because it happens all the damn time. And you, you know, you'd throw your phone in a river if you knew how many things are phoning home. Yeah, and we'll have a full report of this because I am going to now. I've got my new PC. It's been sitting here for a few days. I keep going. Okay, should I try setting it up? And then I'm like, well, no, I have to do. It was you know, random thoughts and. I was on with uh, Chris from uh, Abs at a Six Pack on Wednesday, and of course yesterday, then the Rock and Roll pre-show, and I he's, listened to. No he's way. in the troll room right now too. Hey, Chris, how you doing? He has a good show. Check it out, Abs in a Six Pack. Um, and then it was after No Agenda yesterday. I'm like, well, you know, I have grumpy old Ben's in the morning, and I don't want to go. Th- it's I feel it's like a rush when you have a brand new system and you have to start installing everything and remember all the programs that you use to do everything. So that's the, my plan is for after the show today, once Grumpy Old Ben's gets posted, plug that sucker in. And then I have until at least Sunday morning before the rock and roll pre-show to the, get the uh, thing up and running. The, the trick is you you need to just be willing to install your programs on demand as you need them. Yes. Which is is a little bit frustrating and takes some time the first few times you use them. But the beauty is and just see this as an opportunity for if if you don't on demand have to install a program, clearly you weren't using that and you just got some hard drive space back. Yeah, which is true. And I mean, it's nice because that was the biggest thing with this because it's still 64 gig of memory because that's, you know, why would I do anything less? The uh, 
the hard drive is going from a uh, a half gig to a full, I mean, half terabyte to a full terabyte on the SSD, the little M2. And I had an extra 500 gig SSD drive sitting around. So I threw that in there as well. So we should have plenty of fast storage and it should all work out. But after I get that all set up, I am going to try the Winston device on the whole house because just watching the Winston thing, and this is just another tease because I still need to get more into this, but watching all of the things, because there's a live view of what is accessing the internet. This took me back to the zone alarm days because I'm just sitting there even not really doing anything online. And all of a sudden you see the thing scrolling with, oh, look, uh, uh, CC cleaner is phoning home. And it's like one, I have it installed, but I have it not to start when the system starts up. So it's like, what the hell's phoning home? So uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about the uh, the habits of some of these programs and how. Uh, oh, yeah. And- I, I mean, you know, just just scroll through your pie hole log once in a while and be like, what the hell is pinging that domain? The the number of things phoning home is always frightening. I actually have a I, I don't have much of a story, but I definitely read um, there is a new lawsuit against Google. And, and let me let me know. If there is ever even an ounce of surprise registered when I read this one off, plaintiffs in Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin are suing Google because they claim that their data caps are being eaten up by Google's phoning home uh, to the order of 460 megabytes per month or, you know, I don't know, several dozens of megabytes a day. And if you have a gigabyte cap, that's probably something that it's like it could be a rounding error. But I, I mean, half a gigabyte a month in just phoning home, tracking telemetry, et cetera. Um, and apparently these plaintiffs, they they listed four plaintiffs in three states that, that were on this particular lawsuit, came out completely surprised that, uh, oh, this this Google device is sending all my data up to the mothership constantly and um you when when you know if if like i said if if you have a a a terabyte cap then maybe you don't care about a half gigabyte a month but if you have a one gigabyte cap or you're paying by the byte maybe you do care and maybe you shut off some services and maybe you go install lineage instead of leaving vanilla android on there or maybe most people don't do that but yeah hey look Google is is stealing data from you and and Android is sending it to them. Well, it's a lot of it when it comes to the mobile platforms, I think, are people that don't understand the settings or never look at the settings. Because, again, we're dealing with people that just think the thing works and there's nothing they have to look at. We've talked a bunch. Should people have to? I think so. I mean, just because of the way that the uh, the whole ecosystem works. I mean, if you have unlimited data when it comes to a mobile package you're probably not going to be that concerned but my whole family is on a pay what you use thing and we've got my parents on with my wife and i and i think once in the last year year and a half however long we've had xfinity now have we gone over one terabyte combined or one gigabyte combined for a month because we i turn off the mobile data i do i just don't need mobile data even when we go out if i need it i'll turn it on the wife is the same way but we don't suck down the data constantly because we have it the phone in case you need somebody to get you in an emergency the phone and the texting all works you don't have to pay a damn thing for any of that you could call and text and, as much as you want 
And if you never leave home, you just leave it connected to the Wi-Fi. You're not using any mobile data at all. Exactly. And that was my point is with the Wi-Fi, when the device is doing all of its updates, and if you have like 8,000 different apps on your phone, and let's not forget the operating system itself, the Android operating system updates itself. If you don't have that setup, there is a setting in, at least in the Samsung. And I think most Androids have the setting like don't do updates unless you're on Wi-Fi. But if it is doing updates, you know, to your Android once a month or any of those apps, when you're on your mobile connection and you're paying by the data, then, yeah, that's going to start using a lot. But I think there's also a point consumers have to be responsible and know what their devices are doing, because the the big tech companies are going to be like, well, they could just change that by clicking this. Well, I I will always be quick to join you in recriminating the average consumer for choosing to be willfully ignorant about what their device is doing. At the same time, we know damn well, it is well understood amongst technologists that the average consumer goes with the defaults and just does what the device does. And, and, you know, even for me, if, if I generally trust new software or or want to you i will i will try out the default experience so if the defaults are pathological then you're you can't excuse the the people making it defaults are very important and the moment that you require a user of a device to change settings at first run you're you're not creating a consumer appliance anymore you're creating a, an enthusiast device people have to invest mentally in the device more than I think a lot of people will. Uh, and I would recommend that you use as much Wi-Fi as possible if you're concerned about mobile data. But the other thing that, that occurs to me is there are a lot of people out there anymore who don't even hook up home internet because, because they have their right. phone and that's the only device that they have that needs the internet. All of the, you know, a lot of people don't even have a, a personal computer at home anymore. Cause why would you, um, and it's, I, I, and it's I know why weird. I, would, but. I mean, I know we're the Benz. We're the grumpy old Benz, which is a, just another term for tech guy. We talked about that on the last two shows ago. And uh, the weird thing to me is because it, when I'm home, I'll be on the desktop, which I just replaced the desktop, but it's still going to be running on three monitors, you know, full keyboard, the big daddy. That's the way I still like to compute. I bought a Dell yeah, laptop, you know, but I hardly ever use it. And I probably didn't even need it, but I bought the Dell laptop because the the Apple MacBook Pro that I had was like a decade old. So I figured, well, that was too slow for when I need a laptop. But the laptop gets used like not even 1% of the time. It's either this desktop behemoth or I'm using my iPad Pro, which is a few years older now, but it's the 12.9 inch screen. If I'm watching TV and I want to look something up, that's what I go to. My wife, on the other hand, who also had to get the iPad Pro, which is sitting right next to her, will use her phone 99% of the time while the iPad just sits there. And I'm like, why would yeah, you sure. use that, you know, five and a half, six inch screen as opposed to the tablet? Well, it's easier. Well, but then why did you get the iPad? Yeah. yeah if, if your eyes are good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> which mine are not. So that's where yeah. the, the phone becomes a real pain in the ass, which is why I wanted the, you know, the big iPad. And if somebody, well, actually, under the, you know, on different operating system, you know, I'm I'm fine with any operating system running it. So if there was a, a pad, that tablet that ran under Linux, that was like a 13 inch screen and looked good. 
I'd be more than happy to buy it. But Apple was the only one doing that. Well, there's there's a lot of of cheapo tablet computers that run either Linux or or AOSP or something. And for the most part, in order to keep the costs down, they always have like, you know, 128 kilobytes of RAM or something. It's like that ain't going to work. Yeah. But I just thought that was interesting that it's like, yeah, for the people that, you know, don't, you know, don't have a computer anymore because she does rely on the phone like 99 percent of the time. And it's like, I just I couldn't do that. But for a vast majority of the people, I guess, if you're just looking up news stories and things like that, you know, it's yeah. that's what they get if, used to. If the only programs you ever launch are a browser and or, or you know, or your Facebook app and you I mean, you don't mind staring at a little six inch screen, then I, I, I understand for a lot of people, the mobile is the only computing that they need. I, I'm definitely with you where I. You know, especially when I'm coding, I want all the desktop space I can get. I I have a big panorama that takes up about 40 degrees worth of my vision across three monitors. Uh, You know, I I I definitely need the extra CPU and RAM for if if I'm launching, you know, any of the hot new games or or Android Studio that causes my room to heat up. Uh, (laughs) But nice in the winter, (laughs) a little bit. Um, But. I do a lot of things that just don't work on a phone. You know, the, the biggest one is, is editing code or well, any kind of text input on that little tiny screen is awful. So even just running the troll room, which is IRC, I need me the full keyboard because I can type uh, 110 words a minute on a full keyboard. And on that little touch screen, I have 10 times more errors and I'm lucky if I get three words a minute. Yeah. Same big, you know, big fingers and small little, you know, touch sensitive flat devices don't work for me. So now that we've demonstrated how ancient we both are. Well, hence, yeah. Hence our, hence the name grumpy old Ben's. I mean, the Ben's part is what people get confused about. That means tech guy, the grumpy and old part. Nobody's confused about if they listen to the show. No, no. Anybody who's heard one of our shows knows we're grumpy and old. And uh, I was just looking over the last 24 hours of client activity on my pie hole. And there's never a time in the middle of the night that it's less than about a hundred uh, accesses every hour. So, and you know, there's Billy this- Bones is saying Mavis Beacon worked for Sir Bimrose. You know, that would be true, except that Mavis Beacon only taught QWERTY. And I'm actually a lot slower on QWERTY. On QWERTY, I only do about 50 or 60 words a minute. He's a Dvorak uh, guy. It's it's Dvorak all the way. And not just because of my favorite podcaster. No, I I thought that's why. I mean, I know you're that. Uh, no, I, I actually obstinate. was a Dvorak keyboard. <laughs> you, you know, I started Dvorak keyboard typing in 02, 01, something like that. And the reason was um, I started getting tendonitis in, in my wrists. And uh, I was told that well, we, uh, this was not long after college when when I developed it and uh, the ergonomics. You, I mean, to in, be fair, you were using that wrist a lot in college. Well, duh. But uh, the er, also the ergonomics of the computer lab Unix boxes were freaking awful. And they had like they had the the desk that had a row of keyboards and then a little stand next to it that was a little bit lower that the mouse was on so that they could you know they they were like anyways it doesn't matter uh i managed to get uh a little bit of tendonitis and i went and talked to them and they're like well what what do you do with that wrist and i'm like well aside (laughs) from the obvious but 
I, I told him, you know, I'm a computer science student. He says, oh, yeah, we see that a lot. And uh, what you really need to try to do is type a little bit slower because it and I'm like, I can't do that. I have to write papers. I have to do so. And somewhere along the line, I learned about the Dvorak layout, which uh, it, it it's big selling point. And, and it's not even the one that, you know, nowadays, a lot of people are you know moving to things like Colmac or or even optimized versions of it. Uh, but the Dvorak layout has the tendency that when you are typing English words, your, you have more of your hands, more of your fingers hit the home row keys. And even the, the most common keys are closer. So the result is you don't have to move your hands as much to type. And a lot of people will talk about moving to alternate layouts because they want to be faster or moving to alternate layouts because it's cool. I actually did it for medical reasons. Um, I needed, I needed to be able to type just as fast, but not strain my wrist as much. I would and then like somewhere you. along the line. And, and then somewhere along the line, I became uh, a champion of accessibility at Microsoft because of course, nobody ever thinks about changing keyboard layouts. So there were so many bugs I got to file for that. Well, yeah, because you're so used to it. But I want you to fact check rather than the troll room fact checking us. I want you to fact check cold acid in the troll room of the Rare Encounter podcast who claims that it was John C. Dvorak's uncle, August Dvorak, that invented the keyboard layout. Um, it, it might have been. And I'm sure they knew each other. But August Dvorak was around, uh, I want to say, 19th century. So it's a little earlier. Well, a, a I descendant mean, of he- some sort. Maybe I, 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 something tells me no, but I, I think that really for, for the true lineage, we're going to have to bring an expert in here. Dvorak is a Slavic name. So we're going to have to throw this one to CSB. Oh, I thought you were um, going to ask J, uh, JCD to come on and talk about it, but you're right. A CSB is even better. You no, know, this no, another three, JCD digit, might, three letter. JCD might know a little bit about his name, but for any question about Slavic heritage, uh, it has to go to CSB. Um, so the question I have for CSB is, are all people with the name Dvorak related to each other? I just Slavic meatbag. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. according to Cold Acid, it was Jerry Pornell that said that. I'd like to point out to Cold Acid, Jerry Pornell was one hell of a fiction writer. A nice guy. But he, uh, I think also. So was John C. Dvorak. <laughs> really? JCD wrote oh, fiction? I, I, well, um. When I was working at Microsoft and reading the articles that he was writing about the product I was making, that was exactly what I was convinced of. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm not he, touching he, that one. He, uh, my, my, my first big product as an employee at Microsoft was Windows Vista and having put a ridiculous amount of effort into working on the product uh, and then immediately seeing all of these stories come out about how much it was crap and it sucked and you people should just stay on xp and i'm like i worked hard on that um and one of the most scathing articles i wrote was actually posted in the hallway next to the break room and it was by john c dvorak explaining how vista was the biggest step back that microsoft has ever made and we should just go back to windows me because it was better (laughs) was he wrong i i i I, (laughs) I'm not sure I, I'm in a position to answer that, but I do know that uh, by then I was already by the time that I'd ever the first time I'd ever heard the name John C. Dvorak, I was already typing on the Dvorak keyboard layout. Uh, and I I tell you what, because of that article right there and and a couple others like it where he just completely smashed on the products I had worked hard on. <laughs> I hated him for a long time. 
Well, you know, and that's uh, understandable. He is the critic and you were the artiste. And uh, those two things don't always exist. Don't exactly coexist amicably all the time. But the thing I like about the Dvorak keyboard. Nowadays, I look back and I'm like, yeah, Vista was it had some problems. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was a maybe it was a bigger uh, dumpster fire than we wanted to admit. But I just like the fact that, you know, you just plug a regular keyboard in. So if anybody sits down at your computer and tries to do something, they're like, well, am I having a stroke? Well, what? I and, and, and I'm just looking, glancing at the keyboard that's sitting in front of me. I, I can read off, uh, say, the second row. It tab and then Q W E R T Y U. That that's what's written on the keys because you know, most keyboards will have the the exact shape of the keycaps uh, adjusted, so you can't even prop the caps off and put them in a different place because your keyboard is now suddenly all weird shaped. So because I touch type. When I plug a keyboard in, I don't even change what's printed on the keys. What that means is that, for example, um, I have a key labeled with a K on it. And when As I we all it, do. <laughs> uh, when, when I push the key on my keyboard that has a K on it, a T comes out in the screen because I, I don't look at the keyboard. I know where the keys are by touch. Why would I look at the keyboard? And I've done this for so long that. I just it never even occurs to me to care what's printed on the keys anymore. I know where the keys are, which is always amazing when somebody comes in from you know when like when I was at work at, at Microsoft and somebody had come in and there's always these developers. They're always short on time and they're always smarter than you. And they always, you know, the, yeah, I'm I'm like, OK, so your component is broken in this way and I debugged it and I pulled it down to here. But I want to know, is this the right behavior? And I'd go in and I'd type something to get it set up and it'd pop up. And and of course, a developer is instantly frustrated. And, and you know, testers were their mortal enemies because we were always pointing out places where they fucked something up. And so it, it was more than once with more than one developer where I would demonstrate a bug on my machine and they'd be like, Oh, that doesn't look right. Let me do it. And then, you know, and, and I'd be like, okay, tell me what to type. No, just, just move. And I'm like, okay. So I get <laughs> up, let him sit down and start typing. And the look on the confusion was fucking priceless every time. And some of them finally started to figure out, you know, actually when you said you'd type it, I'll go ahead and let you do that. But some <laughs> of them would just get irrationally angry at my machine. <laughs> Why is this working? And you're like, it's windows. Yeah, <laughs> I just told you it wasn't working. It's, right. You coded it wrong. Yes. That, you, yeah. Not only did you screw this up, but look, the right keys aren't yeah. even. Well, yeah. So, somehow your audio driver fucked up my keyboard. <laughs> way, way to go. How yeah. are you going to fix this one? Yeah. I mean, you should have. I mean, I mean, the keyboard you should have is one of those really high end ones that are just blank. You know, no, no numbers, no letters printed on it. Nothing. Just blank. And that would be I, uh, I, I had one of those actually for a while. Um, and then I realized that I don't care. Well, and I mean, the one that I've got now, this uh, habit, a uh, mechanical keyboard, it, I can go spend money for custom keycaps that you replace all the keycaps and they can put whatever you want on them or they can, uh, you know, they can be blank. Or, yeah, but why? I don't look at my keyboard. True. Yeah. Why would I care? No, just for funsies. No, I mean, if I was going to put custom keep caps on there, I'd fuck it up. So even worse, like, you know, have it be A, B, C, D, E, so that not only is it not where people are expecting it to be, but also all the keys type something different than what they're printed on. I think what you should do is just get keys reprinted up because, you know, the, the little have it. It's a backlit keyboard. And uh, 
I think it should just be like, I am Bemrose and I am God. That's what it should just say on the keys. <laughs> now we hold these truths to be self-evident. <laughs> uh, oh, I did have an update on the story we talked about before. GitHub reinstated the YouTube DL program and yeah. admitted that it was not, in fact, a violation of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And you that don't was say that was. Uh, a, it, yeah, that was big. Actually, that surprises me. Not only that, I, but they put a million dollars into a legal fund to protect the people that are uploading to GitHub if things like this were to happen in the future. Wow. I mean, I, I would have expected before they were bought by Microsoft, I would have expected that GitHub would would try to do the right thing. But that's just not something I expect out of the mega corporations. No. So this was this was uh, un, was not expected. I guess we can say that. Uh, so wow. the, the, um, I, I guess, you know, way to go. <laughs> yeah, finally, somebody doing something good. The uh, let me read the quote. I'm sorry, it feels really weird to have a compliment in my mouth for a Silicon Valley <laughs> mega corporation. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, just trying to get get the words around it. This is uh, the quote from the GitHub CEO Nat Friedman, who said, "We are taking a stand for developers and have reinstated the YouTube DL repo. Section 1201 of the DMCA is broken and needs to be fixed. Developers no should have the freedom to tinker." That's how you get great tools like YouTube DL. So it's like, yeah, that's yeah, wow. that's more I than mean, just- I agree with everything you just said. I'm just still like having trouble picking my job off the floor that just came out of a mega corporation. Yeah. I mean, developers but, should be quite happy about this. Yeah. The, well, this this restores some of the the lost faith in GitHub when, you know, a lot of people immediately abandoned GitHub the moment Microsoft bought them because they said, you know, oh, well, we can't trust this anymore. And then. When when they did that takedown, it seemed like confirmation of what everybody thought. Uh, and and if if they really are actually trying to stand up for in, independent open source development, then, uh, you know, this is just not the Balmer era Microsoft anymore. <laughs> no. And this is uh, this is from an article on uh, torrentfreak.com. Uh, they say the developer platform will aid developers financially as well. The company announced they'll put a million dollars into a defense fund to help open source developers on GitHub protect themselves from overbroad or unwarranted DMCA section 1201 takedown requests. Uh, in addition, it will also get more involved in the political side of things. Every three years, the U.S. Copyright Office renews the DMCA anti-circumvention exemptions, and GitHub will have its voice heard there as well. So it'll be interesting. So it's finally nice. And it said, of course, the YouTube DL devs are happy, which I can imagine. Um, yeah. Yeah, rightfully so. I, I'm I, I'm I'm speechless here. I don't I this don't is understand. A how, well, I, I just I, I like I don't even understand how you expect that that good news could possibly be content for this show. <laughs> and there is uh, see this is the beauty of this show, doing it live, the troll room, no agenda social. We already have an answer. CSB says, please tell Sir Bemrose via IRC that yes, inventor of Dvorak keyboard, August Dvorak is related to John C. Dvorak, as I've seen old article about it. B, not all people called Dvorak are related, despite Dvorak is Czech name, although available in similar form in other Slavic countries. But John C. Dvorak's mom was purebred Polish, so he's half Czech, half Polish. This is the kind of information you can't get anywhere else. Yes, the more you know. Yes. This is real data. And and coming in real time as we do the show live on noagendastream.com. And we thank you, comic strip blogger, for the information. Yeah. 
Yes, we do. Yeah, sometimes we, this stuff just works. So I, sometimes it would. Uh, you mean trolls? Yes, sometimes. Sometimes you know, and the DMCA. You know, people standing up and people. You you know, corporations. You might not expect to be doing the right thing. I mean, we could be surprised every now and then. But when you're speechless, I mean, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, and and you didn't even need to to bring Mark on the show or talk religion, but that's okay. No, talk religion. <laughs> I, I you, you know I. I just had no, I don't even feel like it's, it's you and void zero could go and do a, a three hour podcast every week about religion. And I, I, I'd probably even listen to it because the conversation was fascinating, but I felt like it was terrible content for this show for the simple fact that I really have no input on that. I, I don't know why it, when I was growing up, the, there were always the two topics that you never talk about at the Thanksgiving table because they always piss somebody off. There's always politics and religion. Somewhere along the line, I got really, really fucking steamed about everything to do with politics and religion. I I, I have trouble growing fucks. <laughs> I get it. I, I get it. I mean, I'm a reformed, uh, good Irish Catholic boy. Don't really go into churches because I think the church overall is corrupt. So I was you know, very interested to hear voids his little journey and not even a little journey it's a big journey that he's on and especially with knowing catholicism isn't big in his country there it he makes it even more intriguing to me and which we'll, we'll we'll follow up with void i mean not here on grumpy old beds but grumpy old beds doesn't shy away yeah what, one anything. of your 17 other podcasts would do right we'll just we'll start another one and be like religion with void because i miss the i mean come on i think you'll even admit you miss Larry's Sinner Sunday from a non-religious guy. The Sinner Sundays were always good because Larry tells the stories. Because Larry is entertaining as shit, no, no matter what he's talking about. Are you saying Void and I aren't? Well, you're not. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Um, I was disappointed in a story. This also came from Torrent Freak, which was all of a sudden. I mean, we've come to expect this from Google. We've come to expect this from Bing. But all of a sudden, it seems that searches for the big piracy sites are now disappearing from DuckDuckGo. And I that that gets me that because I've been using DuckDuckGo as my main search engine for a while. And you can talk only so much DuckDuckGo about being (laughs) the open source and freedom of blah, blah, blah. If you are going to start removing results to websites for any reason you're going to become does, irrelevant does ddg do their own crawling i don't know i think they do but i, I don't know, know i know obviously google does their own crawling and i know bing does their own crawling but uh you know think a lot yahoo is is bing search or it's bing's index uh start pages google's index i wonder does, does DuckDuckGo use someone else's index or do they do their own i believe they if, use if they're their using own. someone else if from, they're using someone else's index, then I totally understand. But if they're doing their own, then uh, I mean, what's going on? Yeah, because I believe they do. Because I've, you know, when I start using them, I did the the usual test. You know, you put a few things in, you see what Google brings up, you see what Torrent Freak or you see what uh, the uh, Bing brings up, you see what DuckDuckGo brings up, and I do believe. I mean, I don't have anything to back this up, but I do believe. They were using their own or they they were definitely not on the backs of Bing or Google. So if they were using a third party, I don't know what it was. OK, uh, it, I OK, well, in that case, shame on you. What the hell? It's weird. Um, I 
I don't know. I, I, I'd like to dig in a little more to this. Also, the, the other question I have is, uh, do you know where DuckDuckGo is uh, located physically? Uh, my, my bet would be California, which means that, you know, go all of the, the regulatory issues that go along with that. Um, I wonder if I, I basically, I wonder if, if, if this is regulatory pressure or, or pressure from, Hey, we're going to shut down your company. If you don't start delisting people, the company is based in Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, damn. Well, then. I mean, we can't trust anything coming out of Pennsylvania these days. Not only that, but they're headquartered in Paoli, P-A-O-L-I, Pennsylvania. Paola? Yeah. 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 Paoli. There's an I at the end, not an A. Ah. Ah. So not not the same thing. No, I mean, no, not necessarily, but maybe. You probably know. I I just know. I I don't actually know what Paola is. I just remember it was a thing from radio that, that people used to do back in the day. If they wanted their songs played or something. Yeah. Paola. And, uh, but this, the Wikipedia article, which I know we love these, um, says that the DuckDuckGo results are a compilation of over 400 sources, including Yahoo search boss, Wolf from alpha Bing Yandex and its own web crawler. Okay. So it's a mutant. Yes. So okay. uh, interesting, I guess, but, uh, we'll have to watch it. Cause that it is, it is very concerning that when the free speech web search is dropping pirate sites from the uh from their listings and it was interesting because they were talking about dmca notices and how some of these piracy sites were now making sure that their homepage contained nothing that was pirated so that way it makes it very hard to be like well, we can't link to this page because of you know, so it's interesting yeah. to watch this it's a it's definitely well, if, a cat if, and mouse if game. your homepage has how about your homepage just has nothing on it, but instructions how to get a BitTorrent client. Uh, right. That, that's all you need. You know, and, um, and that way. Yes. Wow. How dare you block that? So I have, uh, I, I did a, a deep dive into it and I, I was a little annoyed with Adam yesterday. Cause he kind of scooped me on this. This was you mean Adam Curry notes. of the, I mean, you, you say this, you yes. just say Adam a lot. Like everybody knows Adam, not everybody that listens to us is a no agenda. Well, everybody fan. should know Adam Curry of the no agenda <laughs> show. Cause yes. that guy, is that guy is the hardest working podcaster I've ever seen. The, the, you know, the amount of research I'll do for a story is I go read an article, I pull out some quotes and then I ridicule it on the show. But man, Adam actually does work. The pod father. Yes, he does. Yes. The no agenda show. Uh, he does the podcast index uh, podcast. Yeah, now. He also does almost as many podcasts as you do. He does more. He does uh, Mo facts. Um, so I mean, he's got three different but, properties that are, that are, so he's doing, uh, Four shows a week. I do well, five shows. Okay. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I rest my case. But, anyways, um, I had this in my notes on Monday and we never got to it because we were so busy talking about religion. Um, but the uh, Trump executive order from September of 2018 regarding foreign interference in elections, uh, it, it fascinated me that this was here and the implications. And, and, uh, Adam mentioned it on no agenda yesterday. Um, but I had actually gone through and, and read the whole thing. And so I have a, um, so what, what happened with this was, uh, in uh, September of 2018. So right before the 2018 election, um, there was an executive order, which of course, because Trump did something and it might, it isn't entirely horrible. Um, it got very little media play. Um, 
the executive order says that effectively after an election, uh, the DNI and AG uh, attorney general and that's um, DNI, the uh, dude in charge of intelligence, director of national intelligence um, must investigate the election to find out and investigate any leads to find out if there was foreign interference in the election, including uh, a you know full postmortem on the election and uh, in particular whether it affected the outcome in any uh, precincts or states. And um, th- this is now you know by executive order the government is required every time there's an election to do a full investigation of whether or not there was well there was quote foreign interference. Um, the the big thing that it does though is if that report determines that there was foreign interference it authorizes the US government to seize all property and interests of anyone who is found a to have directly or indirectly engaged in sponsored concealed or otherwise been complicit in foreign interference in a United States election or B to have materially assisted, sponsored, provided financial material or technological support for, or goods of services to, or in, uh, or to be owned or controlled by, or have acted or purported to act on behalf of directly or indirectly any person that uh, that did this. Um, what that means is if, if the government report finds evidence of, quote, foreign interference in a United States election, then they get all their assets seized. Everyone who has provided them any support gets all their assets seized. Anyone who has uh, is sponsored you know, the, the provided financial material or technological support for them gets all their assets seized. The, basically, um, the authorization given by this executive order says if if somebody inter if a foreign power interferes in our election then everybody who they've ever talked to can be completely destroyed and you know like blocking they can uh tell every u.s company to block all transactions with them prevent banks from interacting with them freeze their assets prevent them from entering the u.s it's it's a giant hammer now why is this relevant what because of hammer you may not know yeah, you may not know. Well, Hammer and Scorecard are American, but Dominion is a Canadian company. Yeah, with wasn't there something over in Spain and somewhere else too? Yeah, the, one of Germany. them is a Spanish company. Um, and uh, you know, if you really think about it, uh, where are all the shareholders for uh, you know places like um, CNN or Google? Uh, there's a lot of a hell of a lot of shareholders in China, and. Under a strict reading of this, um, any quote interference that can be demonstrated uh, by a, a an international company, you know, Facebook is actually not an American company these days. Uh, Facebook International is chartered in Ireland because of uh, uh, because of the uh, tax situation there. So, it, it, you know, Twitter, I think, is is. Uh, registered in Ireland or or Denmark or somewhere. Um, All of these multinational corporations could, I I mean, if if they decide that Twitter or Google or Facebook interfered in the election, um, then this order authorizes everything that they own to be seized by the government. Now, that's not going to happen, but 
what a huge hammer um you know cnn yeah who the constant stream of fake news if if you identify one single thing that they've said that cannot be a hundred percent proven factual Baseless. and demonstrate yeah and demonstrate that it had any effect whatsoever on the election like say polls um I mean, you you could seize the whole organization under this. Now, like I said, obviously it won't happen. It's not practical to seize a giant multinational corporation and also rules for us, not for them. That you know, so if you're an elite, if you're Mark Zuckerberg, if you have more money than the U.S. government, then you can just be like, oh, you're going to seize all my stuff. Well, I'll just buy you. <laughs> uh, and obviously, therefore, it's not going to happen. But I would not be surprised if this comes out as as a way to seriously screw up not not the the big players in it who are obviously complicit but too big to fail but companies like dominion yeah i could see that happening well and it's interesting because the people that are involved with dominion are disappearing off the internet yeah can you blame them they should have done so four years ago but whatever well, now, the theory that was out there, which I believe they did talk about on No Agenda yesterday, that makes the most sense was that you have these systems in place, including the dominions. So you have the boxes that people are using, the computers that are associated with voting here in the United States. And, you know, if you want to rig an election, you want to do it in a way that uh is it noticed, which is how people that are smart, you know, if you're going to be embezzling from your company, you do the thing like an office space where it's like we shave a fraction of a penny off of every, yeah. you know, so it doesn't send up any red flags, allegedly. And, and, and the the what it looks like is that they had set it up to do exactly that. But what they did was they believed their own polls and they thought, oh, it's going to be a close race. So we'll just put a, a light thumb on the scale to tip it over. And a light thumb wasn't enough for the the Trump landslide that was coming in. Yes. Which is why they had to, you know, all six states simultaneously at the at the same moment, even though they're different time zones, uh-huh. um, stop counting Shut so down. that they could get new orders from above. Like, OK, we need we need more weights for our side of the scale. Yes. And then uh, all of yeah. a sudden, those huge dumps for Biden came in and it's like, yeah, yeah this and does it, uh, <laughs> our show. The show we had right before the election where I I said, if you want your election to be fair, one of the first number one things you have to do and obviously wasn't done here is you do not start counting until you have stopped accepting ballots, period. Because otherwise you get what you had here where they get partway through counting and they're like, oh, shit, we have to manufacture more ballots. And I, like I said, I watched this happen in the governor's race in Washington in 04. They did almost exactly the same playbook where they got through the first count and they went, fuck, we're losing. We've got to go manufacture more ballots. And then the, the official story was they found another box of ballots or 12 in the in this county containing Seattle that just, I guess. They had left it in the, the used janitor's closet or something. And, oh, look, these brand new ballots switch the race over. No, it no matter what, if you want a fair election, it is absolutely necessary. You do not count a single ballot until you have stopped accepting all of them. I mean, there's just so many entertaining stories, though, coming out of this election 
and you don't really know which ones necessarily to fully believe. But the one I liked was that there were hundreds of thousands of votes for Biden where the circle to vote for him was filled in immensely well, like perfectly like a computer. Like like it it. was printed. Uh huh. Yeah, (laughs) And it's like and then the other one was, oh, they were Sharpies, even though they weren't giving away Sharpies at the polling places. So all of a sudden there were people at the polling places giving away Sharpies to people so it could you know cover that up. I mean, there's some great either conspiracy theories or to me. I mean, it's I mean, throw it on the pile of circumstantial evidence, right? uh, Because it it doesn't it it doesn't prove I I got into it with somebody on NAS this week. Um, It doesn't prove that there was fraud, but put Correct. it on the pile with all the other circumstantial evidence, which at the very least does prove two things. One, we can't certify this election. We, there is enough doubt in the election to know, you know, that while we can't prove that Trump won, we sure as fuck can't prove that Biden won either, which means that we don't have a conclusion from it. And two, that we need people to investigate this stuff. And I, it looks like the the government is doing that investigation. So good on them. Um, but it, it is unconscionable that we have the quote unquote journalists out here who are screaming for, yeah, we don't want to know what happened. Just shut everything down and install Biden. Right. He's the president elect. How dare you? How dare you impede his progress? Well, this is, I mean, one very insidious stuff going on in Michigan where the people involved in the election in Detroit well looked at the numbers, if I'm remembering this all correctly, and went, you know, we had more people vote than we had people registered to vote. And we think that's a problem. Last week, we brought up that, that uh, I think it was Michigan had more people vote in the election than there are voting age people in the state. Yes. So these the people, whatever the position they're in, said, well, we're not going to certify this well of course this involves the county where detroit is so all of a sudden the racist attacks began ah you're racist and oh, they, they, they gave they in. just about firebomb the dude's house yeah i mean this is scary stuff i mean they were threatened allegedly by you know people in the democratic party of course people get doxxed and then their information gets out there and this is this is some big stuff and you go well how does this how do you let that happen how do you let an election go when you can prove that you have more votes than people that are registered to vote. I mean, it's even more nefarious if there's more people, you know, if you have more votes than there are people of voting age in the area that if you go, well, you know, we, it's going to be bad if we don't certify these. So, you know, we know they're wrong. Can can you, can you blame anybody from you know, taking a step that they know is wrong under that kind of coercion when you know that your 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 spouse and your children are in mortal danger from a bunch of deranged fucking lunatics if you don't i cannot blame anybody for saying okay well then i guess i'll just put my thumbprint here that is a rational thing to do yes it, it's unfortunate if if you're now committing fraud on behalf of the the whole election but I, I understand that. I, I definitely put the blame on the the unhinged, deranged fuckheads who are taking this so seriously that they are threatening somebody's family if he doesn't put his thumbprint on a, a clearly questionable election. Well, the radical left is deranged. We see that in their hatred for Donald Trump. I mean, I understand I didn't like Barack Obama's policies. Hey, hey, hey. 
I, I don't know that hating Donald Trump is is reason to call somebody deranged. That that also seems like a rational thing. Well, but their hatred the other is shit making doing them do it. whatever. I mean, this is where it's irrational because their hatred for the guy is making them do whatever they have to do to cheat. Yes. For the other guy. Yes. They're they're Yes. They're they're throwing out of standards and norms and ethics is is what makes them deranged, not just hating Trump. I think that's a pretty normal thing. And when your plan was to, you know, just cheat on this percentage level, because, you know, all the polls told us this was going to be a Biden win anyway. So, you know, we just need a little help just to make sure no that Biden wins. There's no problem. We just need a little bump. And then all of a sudden the reality hits them and they're like, Oh shit, we need to change our algorithm. I mean, our algorithm was only stealing one out of 50 votes. We need to steal like 10 out of 50 votes. And yeah. that's when you got those massive numbers, which is why when you know I went to bed on election night, which was quite late, you know, midnight, one o'clock here, that the people that were watching this, at least the numbers guy on Glenn Beck's network, was like, I don't see any way Biden makes these numbers up. But magically by the morning, those numbers were made yeah, up. They and they totally made those numbers up. Yes, because they literally went, made the numbers up and then made the numbers up. But this is because we've gone through and not just four years. But if you look at just the Trump presidency, everybody from the leadership in the Democratic Party and the loons that are those like the Alyssa Milano's who are have nothing to do with politics, except have a big mouth and usually a blue check mark on Twitter. They have been setting this up, have been setting this up, having the hatred for Trump, this whole thing. We got to get him out of office. We'll do anything. We need to do anything to resist that. It wouldn't be hard to believe that you've convinced enough people and, you know, voter fraud. It's not like Joe Biden was this genius that somehow figured out how this fraud would happen. But all you really do is need people in the individual areas because the way voting goes, it's very localized here in the United States. We talked about that with D.C. girl. This is something where your little town has their people doing it. Now, it just depends how many of these towns have somebody that's willing to do whatever they have to do to mess with the results. There was a video from PBS, which was the most surprising thing from like two years ago, talking about how insecure these Dominion systems were and how people on both sides of the aisle were very concerned about this. They were talking to a hacker. That said, you know, allegedly there was very little in terms of security on these devices. So when this actually happens, where are all these Democrats that were complaining about these devices being insecure? Now that the election went on, they're going, no, 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 there's no problem with these devices. How how can you lie like that? My my favorite quote about it, you know, all of the past documents and videos and and commentary about Dominion devices that, of course, was ignored for five the five years or so uh, are, are suddenly coming out of the woodwork. And they're always entertaining to be like, yep, this person told us so. Yep, this person told us so. Yep, this person said they're insecure. This person, my absolute favorite quote was from 2014, a security researcher who was just uh, he was he was doing an audit of election systems and. His conclusion was this county should not be using these machines. Um, there, there are very questionable design decisions. And uh, when interviewed afterward, he said, I, I can't be sure because all I did was a, a superficial analysis. But but from looking at the some of the design decisions that don't make any sense at all, it's almost like these machines were designed for fraud. 
2014, huh? 2014, a security researcher doing an audit for a local city or county said it almost looks like these machines were designed for fraud. Well, they were. That is what we've learned. Looking like it. And this is where the derangement really comes in because I don't see anybody. I mean, maybe there are a few, but I'm not seeing anybody on the left who is out there saying, hey, everybody, just hold on. We have time. Let's let's go through these lawsuits. Let's go through these areas where there appear to be issues and let's try to get to the bottom of them. The people on the left almost to a man is saying, oh, there's nothing to see here. Trump's crazy. He's just he's not going to leave. Let's we better call out the Navy SEALs to get him out of office. And just yeah. it's what, so what was, disingenuous. What was the theme of, of, of one of the shows a few weeks ago before the election? The theme when we showed all this stuff going on and on the uh, well, uh any means necessary yeah and like it, it, and and that is i mean that is if you're going to call out one principle or idea that is going to tear our entire society apart by the seams it is the ends justify the means which is something that the new generation is being taught is it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what ethic you, I mean, people are hardly being, being taught ethics or anymore, Truth. Um, but it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who gets hurt. You are, you are justified to punch a Nazi because he is a Nazi. You are justified to use violence. If somebody challenges any of your thoughts, and and that more than any other idea is going to completely destroy our society. Now that we have a generation of people who are being given the lesson that the ends justify the means it, you, you need to you you need to attain your political goals, getting rid of the orange man or whatever the next goal is going to be. Cause once Trump's gone, the, none of these people are going to stop. Uh, you, you need to use any means necessary to uh, approach your goals. It doesn't matter who gets hurt. It doesn't matter what lines you cross. There are no lines. You know, do whatever you think is right. Do whatever you feel as long as it gets you closer to the end goal of winning over the deplorables. And you, that's that more than anything is why we are headed toward what might be an inevitable civil war. because. Well, People are not being taught to respect other human beings anymore. And they're not respecting the process. They are not respecting the rule of law. That's long been gone with all of this toppling of statues and rioting and looting because, well, you know, they're doing it because, you know, there's been an injustice. It's like, well, no, two wrongs don't make a right, which is why I was disappointed in Bill O'Reilly. Well, over we're not this teaching whole thing. that either. You know, O'Reilly's been covering what's been going on, but his thought and this again, this is speculation, was that there's no way the Supreme Court would overturn this you know, election because of the amount of violence that it would cause. He's like, and, then, and he did get I, some pushback from people in, in his email segment, and he rightfully talked about that. But it's like, how do you make this decision when you're down at the presidential election? It's like, this isn't a small office. This isn't a small thing that's really not going to have much effect. And we can just get a redo in four years and make sure everything's done right. We are really 
at a crossroads. I mean, I know people say that all the time, but I think we're really at a crossroads because we saw for the last four years from the left, totally insane Trump derangement syndrome. They hate Donald Trump, resist, resist, resist. And now we have a majority of the people on the right who believe this election was stolen. Not that there we lost, not that there was, you know, a little bit of hanky panky going on. There is a vast majority now of the people on the right who believe this was out and out a coup, a stolen election. And you're right. I don't know how this doesn't lead to another civil war of some shape or form. I and I I I disagree with the idea. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm not saying that somebody won't, you know. But yeah, we we we've seen this in in plot points on uh, Hollywood dramas before, where somebody's like, "Well, I know it's wrong, but we have to save as many lives as possible." But right, um, I, I, I the rationale is completely off about that for two reasons. One is, uh, you know, another another much older point that you've seen in a lot of Hollywood dramas from years ago uh, was, do uh, you remember? You know, I, I don't think I don't see it much anymore. But when uh, they said you know, the United States does not negotiate with terrorists. Right. And and that is I mean, it's not so much anymore, not in the, the touchy feely zero tolerance sort of thing. But when we were young, don't give in to bullies was was a thing. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for your your you know your rights, for your principles. Don't. Don't let people even, you know, don't let terrorists don't negotiate with terrorists. Don't let bullies push you around. That was kind of what we were taught. And and th- this very talk about, well, if Biden doesn't win, we're going to burn down a city. That is that is negotiating with terrorists. Yeah. That is I mean, that is a terrorist threat right there. And I mean, you know, first of all, that it, it won't work because. um it, it doesn't if you give in on this one, then they're going to pull out the same threat and say, well, now we'll burn down a city if you don't, you know, give transgender abortion rights or whatever the fuck they're their neck. Uh, now we'll <laughs> burn down a city if you don't let us topple this statue. Now we'll burn down a city if you Republicans continue to exist. I, I, it, it won't end. There is no doctrine of of appeasement or or you you. There's no ending. They will no. constantly ask for more. That is the woke religion is everything we get. No compromises or we'll burn down your city. Well, let them burn down their own fucking city. Maybe the cities won't elect so many fucking uh, mayors who condone this behavior. Maybe the city, after having been burned down a couple times, will maybe bring in. A mayor who's like, you know, that whole police thing might be a good idea. Maybe law and order is something we're interested in. And then the situation solves itself. So obviously giving in to terrorist threats is is the wrong idea. But here's the other reason why it's a terrible idea if the Supreme Court decided to go that way. It won't stop the violence. What you'll get is you'll get the other half of the country start burning down cities. Right. If you let an election get stolen and if it's blatant. If, yeah. And it. If it helps at all, you've just compromised all of your principles and the rule of law by doing it. Yeah, congratulations, because you're right. I mean, we need more governors like in Florida that just strengthened the uh, stand your ground law, which is like, hey, somebody starts looting your business, start shooting, you know, protect it, protect yourself. And you're not going to be held responsible for that. Law and order has to be 
brought back, which I, that's to me the one thing that I would see happening in the rare chance, you know, the small chance that somehow Trump finds his path to victory. I would think all rioters and looters from that point on are going to be fair game to be like, if you riot or loot, you're going to prison for life. So be sure you want to do that because Washington is a castle doctrine state. If if they decide to riot and loot one inch on my property, um, anything that I do is legal. And I want video, but the, the problem, <laughs> oh, you with, mean evidence? No, I'm not sure that's going to happen. <laughs> the, uh, the problem with Biden is he's already either met with or said he's going to meet with one of the women from black lives matter, which is a terrorist organization, Marxist organization that uh you know you're gonna run into some problems with that joe because they're not gonna ask you for anything they're gonna tell you what you're going to do and the people that joe is already saying is gonna be part of his magical presidential elect cabinet when he gets there if he does are some very scary people there's already a woman that was working with beto o'rourke saying that well of course we're going to have a mandatory buyback of all these guns, all these all these scary assault weapons, which, you know, is pretty much every gun everybody owns, which is also going to cause a war, I believe, because I think if you try that at the national level, like, hey, we're going to come take your guns. I don't think that's going to go well. But the guy that he has in for uh, was one of the guys that was a few years ago saying we need a you know hate speech laws in America. So the people that Biden, I mean, the hope could have been. You know, Biden, now that he was allegedly elected, let's just say he is, that he would become more moderate and sane. And, you know, he's saying, let's try to bring everybody together. But he's bringing all the radical nut jobs in already. So it's not going to go well. Joe is not your friend if you want free speech, if you actually want to be able to own weapons, if you actually want to live in a free society. Joe Biden is not the president you want. I just want to be able to go for a walk outside without having to put a diaper on my face. So Joe is not the president I want. Wouldn't that but, be nice? Um, I will tell you, there's there's at least one Hollywood actor who gained a little bit of my respect this week. Who was that? Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. You may have heard of him. He was in some action movies. But, you know, since he's a boomer. Goldie Hawn's husband. Yes. Well, uh that was actually mentioned in the LA Times article that I'm I'm looking at right now, but that has nothing to do with. Uh, he says that Hollywood players should keep their traps shut when it comes to politics, because uh, he says, as far as I'm concerned, you should step away from saying anything so that you can still be seen by the audience in any character. Um, he says there's no reason entertainers can't learn just as much as anyone else about a subject, whatever it is. Uh, but we as entertainers, we are the court jesters. That's what we're born to do. And if you register your opinion on politics, you can't be the jester anymore because you're not neutral. And he basically said uh, that if any Hollywood person who sprays their political opinion out there cannot be looked at the same by their audience and they've harmed their brand. Well, yeah, because they are a product. The person is a product. It, there's no question about it. Yeah, they can play whatever character. But you know who that actor is. I mean, unless it's an unknown and then you soon will know who the actor is. But they are a big part of their brand. They are a big part of their product. And if you're going to I mean, being political, I've never had a problem with being extreme political is where the issues really come in. You know, if you're the Alyssa Milano type who's like, ah, Donald Trump should die. Well, then you're losing 
as as somebody, if I were looking to hire an actress, I wouldn't hire her because I know that half the country is going to hate her. And I'm going to want somebody who isn't saddled with that kind of baggage. Yeah, it's it's just not worth it. You you're harming the brand. And, you know, you might get a little bit of virtue signaling bonus from one half of the country and you made the other half hate your brand. How is this good? This is the same the same thing that corporations are hopefully going to learn at some point, which is the whole get get woke, go broke. It's if if you go out and alienate half the country by associating your brand with one very strong political opinion, then you're you cut your audience in half and you've made your brand worth a lot less. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, there's something to be said for the people that you can't put into either category that both sides could love. Taylor Swift was that for years until she got political this year. I don't know if it really hurt her in any way, shape or form. She's still selling more albums than anybody well, else, but nobody's selling. I, I'm albums. not buying any of her records anymore. See there, but you never bought any before. Yeah. So there's uh, that. Uh, so obviously voting with my wallet there. You have to, you know, for music, I've always said you have to kind of separate and I can do that. I know a lot of people can't. And I think this is also, you know, part of the whole Trump derangement syndrome. And I, I would like to go through the the whole episode that I did on the little Steven song. And I know we've talked about it a little bit here on Grumpy Old Ben's, but I did a whole, a whole episode. It's easier to just go back into the random thoughts and yes. look for the episode Camouflage of Righteousness because I ended up having to and, unfollow and the- Steve because of just mm-hmm. how crazy he was political with the Trump stuff. And it's funny because that whole song had lyrics like, you know, they they let you vote. And so then you think you have a choice and they give you bread and circus and you call it news. But he doesn't see it on the other side. That's the sad thing. I mean, if you can't if you're that blind where you're, you know, which is a lot of these artists are like that, you know, it's and it's weird because it's like, I don't know. I believe the government's totally corrupt, no matter who's in charge as president. And if you believe that everything's great when your guy's in office, but everything sucks on the other, then you're. You're missing out. Willfully ignorant. Yes. I mean, but that's the, you know, I the guy made such, I mean, this was a very prophetic song. I, I decided to do a whole episode of a podcast on it. Because and and the, the link to that episode will be in the show notes. Yes. It was a great episode, I think. And little Steven commented on it and said he thought the episode was longer than it took him to write the song. And I thought that was great that we had an interaction (laughs) that he's like, I don't think any journalist. And I was honored that he called me a journalist. He's like, I don't think anybody's ever looked at one of my songs that, you know, that critically, you know, took that much time. And I, I think the song holds up. And it's weird that the guy that wrote it now doesn't see that what he wrote then is completely accurate now. But he doesn't want to believe it because he didn't like the guy that was in the white house. So you do any, you know, again, any means necessary. So, uh, all I've got left is some scamdemic stuff, but I'm looking at the time and wondering if we have any experts. We do have some experts to thank. And first and foremost, I want to apologize to Brian Hall. In the last episode, we said the wrong first name and that was a mistake. So I just want to apologize to Brian that, you know, he's an expert, no question about it. And wanted to get that, uh, cleared up and that corrected right off the bat. But then we did have a, a check come in in the mail. And that was from our buddy, Steve E, you know, the first guy to ever find us over on Patreon. And I believe he still is over on Patreon. Obviously, he thinks we're doing really good work. No note just uh, for grumpy old Ben goodness or something was in the memo line. So we appreciate that on the check that came in, which is why we have a P.O. box, grumpy And then we had the monthly 
donation from our buddy cold acid who was on the show sounds like bill gates does the random encounter podcast and he's always in the troll room annoying us when we do the shows live on noagendastream.com and we appreciate that cold acid we don't know what his real name is though but cold acid all lowercase never capital and uh also coming in today harry hamster who uh, came in with a three dollars and the note said biden wins i don't know what biden won but it was a cryptic note from harry hamster i think he's happy that joe biden's coming in so hamsters like joe biden this is breaking news here on grumpy old ben's but if you want to take part in this value for value model and we certainly hope that you do because we do these shows we put them out there you know we're not behind a paywall you can get these shows you have access to them anytime day or night we don't charge you anything but we ask if you did get some value from the show and let's be honest if you're still listening this far into the show, you probably got some value. Go over to grumpyoldbens.com and show us how much value you got out of the show. You know, Harry Hamster, three bucks. That's cool. You know, you can give us 30 bucks. You can give us 50 bucks. The uh, comic strip blogger. You can give us 5,000 bucks. Yeah, 5,000. I mean, you can. It's an option. It is. It is one of the options. Somebody pointed out to comic strip blogger that his Grumpy Old Benz, the comic strip blogger donation might be quickly going the way of the dinosaur and he's like why and they're like well you know bitcoin's after like eighteen thousand dollars and when you're deciding you know you're giving us a percentage of a bitcoin that number keeps going up and up and up and up and i'm just waiting for it to crash i I don't believe that bitcoin is a long-term viable solution i'm still waiting for the the one bitcoin donation yeah the one bitcoin donation would be good if somebody wants to do that there will be a special ceremony you will get like a trophy you'll get a plaque you'll get a whole you can set the topic of a show uh ryan will come to your house and polish your car something like that back in back in 2012 2014 i had uh some one of my coworkers saying have you checked out this new bitcoin thing and i'm like oh i read about it but it doesn't look like it's gonna go anywhere like no really watch check this out and we go down to a local coffee shop and the dude bought me a coffee with bitcoins the cost <laughs> two bitcoins oh so the coffee was two bitcoins that would be uh like thirty seven thousand dollars today <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, dude you know can we get a hold of this guy i want you to talk just ask him you know if you were to just save those two bitcoin yeah you'd have thirty seven thousand dollars that was a good coffee though huh i did yeah i mean it was it was uh uh local seattle stand which yeah, here's a hint in seattle you can get the most amazing coffee ever in and they just had to brew it up hand it to you and it's i mean the, the baristas here really know right but here's the hint go anywhere but starbucks well unless you like really over roasted beans so they they, they want them to taste all the same no matter where you go yeah, and charcoal tastes the same no matter where you go. It does. I mean, it's it's good. It's better on barbecue than in your cup. Yeah, we we have a local stand here that is is privately owned, and they use a local roastery, and uh, it, it's amazing. And we go there every time that we want to buy a seven dollar cup of coffee. I was going to say, how does the cost uh, compare to Starbucks? <laughs> so the same. Well, or, let's or just more. say for. Uh, for for the purpose of this show, um, I've got my Hamilton Beach here and I make my own coffee. Well, you do. You consume a lot. So to be fair, you'd go broke unless we get that one Bitcoin donation from somebody, maybe for the holidays. Plus, 
Plus, I, I, I would also point out that uh, it, it, if you drink a cup of coffee at that coffee stand every single day, you're on a one way trip to diabetes land. So there's a little sugar in the, the thing as well. <laughs> I, think the, I think there's more sugar than coffee in most of those. It depends on what you order, obviously. Hey, the best part of waking up is barbecue in your cup. Net net. No I, doubt about I, it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely that crazy one now whenever we go, if, if we're going out and they're like, you know, we, if we need a coffee, then my wife will order like a, you know, a, a, a child size know, some, with two yeah. cups and you split it. And no, then you- she, she really likes her sweet coffee. And so it's always like, you know, brown sugar and cinnamon and, and caramel sauce. And <laughs> so she and loves on, the winter time. I, I mean, then they're tasty. Don't get me wrong, but my God, I get diabetes at just looking at the damn drink. And then it's like, well, what would you like? I'll take an Americano. They're like, but why don't you want anything special? Yeah, I need caffeine. So give me a <laughs> shot of espresso in, in some cold water so that I'm not dying when I drink it. And we're good. Hey, you got your system. But if you want to take part in the value for value model, please go over to grumpy for all of the information. We will be back. I know that sounds like a threat, but we will be back that on is Monday. A threat. I mean, are you, unless, threatening, are you threatening me or are you threatening our experts here? I mean, both. I mean, I, I hopefully I'll be on a new computer come Monday. So everything will be great and uh, it'll all just work out of the box. I mean, the reality is 98% of what I do for the podcast happens in the mode two anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, it's not like there's a whole bunch of settings and stuff that have to be redone. All the magic is on a third party device, which also makes it a, uh, a, a lifesaver when it comes to to this kind of stuff. But we do appreciate everybody that listens live when we do the shows over at noagendastream.com. Mondays, Fridays, noon Eastern time is when they happen. And you can hop into the troll room and tell us what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right. And you can always reach out to us when we're not live on the No Agenda Stream at Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, or Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at grumpyoldbens.com. With all that said, until next time. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we don't have great baristas, but man, we got some good pit masters. And from America's left coast, where our governor continues to tighten his grip on the testicles of the economy. I'm Ryan Bermos. Oh, um, who is that governor again? Jay fucking Inslee. Thank <laughs> you.